Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The sport is just going to die if they don't break the designated hitter to the National League. We got fresh frozen <laughs> strawberry margaritas, and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. Yeah, I got a MF wagon. Like, <laughs> let's be real. The Washington Nationals are the world champions. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Uh, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny. And the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball. And if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And next- Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Half Street High Heat. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. We love you guys listening, and we love interacting with you on Twitter. So please be sure to follow us there. You can get me at awhite7877. You can find my fatuous co-hosts, Nick and Ryan, at DC Natchak and at Half Shack Cap. You can find our birthday boy in the family today at One Pursuit Takes, OPT, our digital media coordinator. And I'm not even going to give you Monty's uh, Twitter handle because I can never remember it and neither can you. So I am going to tell you to go visit his blog, though, where he's got the Half Street High Heat Thanksgiving up today. And that is mdavistaylor.wordpress.com. How's it going, fellas? Uh, about um, everyone buy, sorry, Nick, uh, everyone oh, buy yeah, a virtual drink for OPT. He's turning 21. Yes. Legally big birthday. Now. Yes. So everyone have a drink for him this weekend. We already know Monty is. So everyone else have a good drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Monty bought himself one for me, two, one for you, two for me. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sitting here eating brownies cooked with booze. So I'm not talking trash, Monty. I promise. Uh, Monty, in his defense, did change his. He still looks like a bot, uh, like his uh, his Twitter handle, but he changed it to something you know a little bit easier to remember. It's MDT, so M Davis Taylor, eight six seven five three zero nine. Oh, that's pretty good. I respect eight six seven five three zero nine. So I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know what the number stood for before, but now it's much easier to remember. Uh, yep. He's still going, you know, zero dark Monty and, you know, doing his own thing. But he's made a commitment to keep up with the blog, which he has been. Um, the Thanksgiving blog, like Amanda, you said, is up today, but I'll tweet it tomorrow. So that way, you know, it doesn't get buried by, you know, Monday Night Football, all that stuff. But yeah, pretty good article. And, you know, you get all the half street high heat contributors in there as well. So definitely go check that out. All right. Sounds good. So how was your week? What's new and exciting? (laughs) 
life announcement. <laughs> Is this going to be about an armadillo? Because I will not be trolled twice. It's not an armadillo. It was a hedgehog. All right. Her name is oh, Gally. Right. She's doing it's an albino hedgehog. hedgehog. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> She's an albino. She's very rare. Um, life stuff. So what happened to me this week? Uh, oh, I got a haircut for the first time in seven months. Yeah, you did. You handsome devil. Wow. <laughs> um, so that was a big deal. And, you know, I mean, I don't know if you go through this, but Ryan, I'm sure you you understand, you know, once that that the clippers hit the back of your neck, it's just like, you know, a pure form of ecstasy. And it's liquid cocaine. So I, I have this. I have this weird thing. Also, you know, I can't uh, like wind, like if you're driving with the windows down, the wind that hits your face, it makes me sleepy. I don't know if that happens to other people, but it happens to me. And, you know, with, you know, coronavirus and everything going on and like I had a mask on for most of the time, but they had fans going inside and, you know, a couple of the fans and the wind in my face and, you know, the, the clippers on the back of my neck, you know. I had a couple little head nods there. Got a, little, got a little sleepy. Yeah, a little sleepy because I was just nice and comfy in the chair right there. Wow. Um, so that was one thing that happened to me. Oh, another thing. I had a PS5 for all of like seven hours. <laughs> uh, what? Yeah, and I, I got it through Kohl's. You know, got the so Oh, know. you got you got the Kohl's treatment. Oh, yeah, man, that's yeah. rough. So I thought I, I had it, and then, you know, a few hours later, uh, they decided to cancel it. But on the bright side, they said I could keep the $180 of Kohl's cash that came with the bundle. Oh, that's so, actually you know, a heck of a nice consolation yeah, price. So you can I'm do not some Christmas like, shopping with yeah, that. Yeah, I'm not terribly upset. I am a little blown because, like, you know, I thought I had a PS5 and $180 in Kohl's cash. But also, you know, I, I think I'm on to them. I think they purposely oversold the PS5 to give out that Kohl's cash so that way people would go because Kohl's cash is only good for like 10 days or something. Right. So, you got to get in there and use it or you lose it. Yeah. So I think they purposely oversold the PS five to, you know, give out Kohl's cash to get people inside your, or online or inside the store, whatever, which, you know, very smart. Cause that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm not going to let $180 of Kohl's cash go to waste. Um, so that was another thing. Um, so your um, sleepy trip to the barber and not getting a PS5 are fascinating, but was there some life news in here? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. That's big news. Seven months. Come on. Um, also, yeah, I uh, got married oh, on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> what? How yep, do you keep that song. to yourself? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so obviously planning a wedding, stressful as is, but you know, planning a wedding in a pandemic is, you know, next level stuff. And I, you know, we, we just weren't up for that. Um, and, you know, we were running into a situation with our, not that anyone cares about this, but running into a situation with our venue where it was like, you know, we have about a hundred people coming and obviously we can't have that during the pandemic. We already pushed the date once, didn't want to push it again. Um, and so we were like, oh, we're going to cut down our guest list to like, you know, 22 people. And that's still more than, you know, we wanted like during a pandemic, but you know, you can't cut out everyone. Yeah. You start pissing people off real quick. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so we're like, all right, we're going to have like 22 people. 
and we went to our venue like hey this is our new guest list like how much would it cost they're like you know what same price and we're like <laughs> come again what the hell yeah so we're like what <laughs> so you know rather than trying to find a different venue and putting another deposit down that we might not get back and, and all this stuff we just decided to elope and you know we're gonna have the reception once with all of our intended guests uh once the pandemic well, is over if it ever c- is so congratulations that is amazing news and i eloped i did the same thing yeah we I did not have saying a that. big wedding yeah we it still haven't had a reception it's, it's been decades <laughs> hey, and joint reception want to go 50 50 on the cost <laughs> there you go. i know right <laughs> yeah we told my mom who was so so pissed at me when i got married R- ryan you have to her. get two different presents yeah we two presents <laughs> yeah at this point people are going to be like what do you need china like what are you doing well <laughs> present present one is still possible because the coals fell through so <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> well that is amazing congratulations i'm so excited for you thank that you that is big life news indeed how awesome <laughs> well so ryan what do you do yeah. this week <laughs> um so you know how they say there's two types of people in this world <laughs> Yeah, so, ones that try to outshine everyone else and ones that don't. Yeah, yeah. so Nick got married. <laughs> um, I play my PlayStation, and today I posted, like, three different posts in this Facebook group for a video game because I needed some things. Um, so that's what I've been doing. Um, but it's the equivalent of getting in an things, argument on Bleacher Report. These comparable. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I, have a, I have a problem child on my hands. Oh, boy. Finn is a monster. <laughs> like he he started off pretty hyper when we first got them. That's kind of you know expect when you first get a kitten. They're kind of just overstimulated. They're away from their mom. Like you get them when they're still nursing, so they kind of have that, and they're not used to their environment. So like they're they're a lot. He calmed down. I had the perfect sleep routine with him. Right, I finally got him to sleep. So he would wake me up at 5 a.m. because homie was hungry. Fine, wake me up. I'd feed him. And then he'd go back asleep for about another hour and a half or so. Then I'd let him out so I could still get a little bit more sleep before I had to get up. It was perfect. Now, homie wakes me up at 4.30 every single night. <clears throat> every single night this week, he woke me up at 4.30, just howling. So I'm like, screw it, whatever. Go out. Go, go like harass the other cats and jump on their backs like you do all day long. Oh my God. I had to run around like pulling him off a back of a cat that's screaming. So trying to figure out what's on top of them. <laughs> um, and then every 20 minutes he comes howling cause he wants back in my room. So I wake up and I let him back in and you know, I'm like petting him, trying to give him attention. The second I stop, he wants back out my door. So he's maybe in my room for maybe 30 seconds. He does this every 20 minutes from four 30 until I get up. So it sucks. Right. So then Mm -hmm. I was like, whatever, I'm just going to crack my door open. This little piece of shit um, decides he's (laughs) going to walk walk into my room and just stare at me and just scream. He's like, I'm going to sing the song of my people and not even want anything. He doesn't leave either. And like, he'll leave and then just immediately come back in and do it again. So yeah, um, I haven't slept in like two weeks. Life's great. Um, (laughs) Broke. Three toys I just got him yesterday. He broke every single one of them because this guy is like the strongest cat in the history of the world. Um, so I'm going to take him back to the pet store, try to get a refund, try to play it off as a lawsuit. Probably will <laughs> fail. Um, the cat tower I got him, a lot of the like, sewing, he's slowly pulling out. So there's a bunch of long strings hanging from it. 
one of like the boards is like loose and it's like almost falling out because his hind legs are so strong because all he does is run around all day long. He's like a freaking unit. So yeah, um, I gotta get him like dog toys or like bear toys at this point. Um, bear toys. He's the strongest cat I've ever experienced in my life. He is quite literally built different. <laughs> well, parenthood is no picnic, and I haven't slept in decades, so you have that to look forward to. Ugh, you're telling me, sister. <laughs> Hard work. I swear to God, I've got, it's funny with um, our, our two newest additions, um, Joaquin and Essence, they, uh, she is the, she'll sleep till 10, 1030. If you don't get her out of bed, she'll just sleep. Like She's the biggest sleeper in the world. He gets up at dawn and it doesn't matter what time dawn is. They've been home now for like eight months and whatever time dawn is. So if dawn is 530 in the morning, that's what time he's getting up. So I don't get to sleep past dawn anymore. That's... Well, dawn is apparently 4.30, because that's what time I'm woken up every day. Now, like, I can't fall asleep before 1. Last night, I was up until 2, because I was reading stuff about shark tanks. So I'm, like, becoming an expert in the art. Shark deal. tanks? Shark, shark tank. tank. The greatest the show of all time. Ah, I thought you meant, like, shark tanks, as in, like, tanks that sharks would nah. swim in. And for that reason, I'm out. Yeah, for that reason. And for that reason. Yeah, so, like, I was reading that, so I got, like, two hours of sleep last night. So I had the so, good... Good like all parents, you're going to have to start going to bed at 8 p.m. so that you can wake up with your children in the morning. Thanks. He doesn't stop. He's actually sleeping <laughs> right now. So I'm going to, like, knock on wood, make sure. That's, that's what I'm saying. Had you gone to bed at 8 p.m., you'd be having a nice snooze right now. That's, I've actually, this I've is, actually this is what it. your life holds for you now. That's what's coming. <laughs> so there you go. All right. Well, so you guys both had pretty much equally exciting weeks, it sounds like. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah, my week was kind of chill. I didn't really have too much going on. I've been uh, cleaning up my garden and picking the last of the uh, tomatoes and peppers, which were actually fully killed off. And uh, now I've, I've got very little left in the garden. However, we have a new patio that they just finished, which is awesome. And trying to keep my children not uh, trying to keep my children from going on it while it is being sealed and uh, has to dry for several days has been super fun. So I can't let them in the backyard right now, which means they're like hanging from the rafters in the house. So that's what's happening here. They're hanging from the rafters like your Jason <laughs> Worth jersey? Yes. Yes. I don't have a Worth jersey. I do have a Rendon jersey. Crying emoji. Who? 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 Yeah. And I have a Turner jersey, which I bought after Rendon left. So. That's my World Series jersey pick. I got my I got my gold my gold World Series jersey for Turner. So that actually is a pretty good segue into actually talking about baseball. Baseball. Because this yes. is, if anybody had forgotten, purportedly a baseball podcast. Sorry, I turned my fan off. All right, the off-season rumors are a flying. The Pittsburgh Pirates franchise has officially hit its peak. As Cole Tucker is officially dating Vanessa Hudgens, confirming that he is going to be the MVP this season. Congratulations to Cole Tucker. Um, I love that this is the first bit of news. <laughs> this is the biggest into. news that, that we get in the week news. <laughs> Cole Tucker's dating Vanessa Hudgens. This is TMT. Um, Theo Epstein stepped down as GM of the Cubs, which is probably the biggest news of the week. Um he announced that he's going to be spending time with his family and will take the year off. He's probably going to get to go work in politics, 
politics and fix some country or state because the man literally fixes everything. But his tradition of stepping down before an inevitable rebuild and dumpster fire continues. Keep being you, Theo. As Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic reports, we are in for a busy December. Teams are waiting for the non-tender deadline to see who becomes available in free agency before making any moves. So we should have a flurry of new guys hitting the market on December 3rd with moves following shortly. MLB and the PA is going to negotiate terms on Universal DH for 2021 and beyond beginning the first week of December. The expectation is that this will pass and we will have Universal DH for now on. Sorry, Amanda. Teams are waiting for this as well as players because the Universal DH drastically changes the market. As Nelson Cruz said, he is not talking to any teams until the Universal DH decision is resolved. To rumors, Blue Jays and Red Sox are two teams that are first attached to Jay Happ. The Cardinals are interested in Nolan Arenado. The Dodgers have also expressed interest in Arenado and Lindor because they just, for some reason, because they're the talent. Dodgers. Um, the Rays are expected to shop Blake Snell around this free agency in offseason as the rumors begin to fly that he requested his trade. Braves did ink uh, Smiley to a one-year $11 million deal. The Field of Dreams is set. The Yankees-White Sox will be played on August 12, 2021, hopefully, and that should be a fun series and some... Not some good news. Former Rays prospect Brandon Martin was sentenced to life in prison for murdering three people with a baseball bat. Some very good news. Bryce Harper welcomes his new baby girl to the world, announcing on Instagram, you really get the duality of life in those two stories. As you'll hear in our interview, it was hinted to by Brittany Garioli, but it's now official. The Nats AAA affiliate is in Rochester, New York. Something interesting to note. Pitchers are going from 80 innings pitch in 2020 to potentially 180 to 200 innings as the Hope is now playing a 162-game season. Over 365 days passed from the last full season. Arms are going to be tired, and they're going to need time to adjust. There is an industry expectation that a lot of teams are going to be in on pitchers, and there's going to be a ton of pitcher moves made this offseason, so that market should move quick and players should be paid pretty well. As I said last week, we're going to be shouting out a different small business every single week. This week's small business is Made in D.C. Made in D.C. has stores in Georgetown and at the Wharf. Everything that is in the store that is being sold was made and crafted in the District of Columbia. So not only is it a small business, its product is also locally sourced. It's the holiday season, so stop on by and get yourself some great holiday gifts. This has been your Week in Review, brought to you in part by your local neighborhood chilies. It's the holiday season. Nice. You know, one thing that just occurred to me that they should do, but they won't because, you know, Rob Manfred and, and company are just a bunch of dumbasses. Um, they should, you know, Hashtag analysis. Yeah, they should play, you know, one thirty or something and give yourself plenty of room for, you know, makeup games. Why? Like, cause a 162 game season as is, is pretty packed. Uh, you know, there's a lot of travel days, but you know, most of the time teams are flying out after a day game on Sunday or, you know, whatever, and playing directly the next day. 
you know, <clears throat> so why not just take some games out, especially like interleague play, which won't directly affect like division and, yeah. and whatnot. That's actually uh, a nice and, thought in, in addition yeah. to what to what Ryan pointed out in the weekend review, which is, you know, people going from pitching 80 innings to 180 innings is going to be pretty rough. Yeah, on it helps a lot the pitchers too. Like, yeah. it, it would be maybe a, a season where they hit somewhere in the middle on the number of games. You know, yeah. where it's enough to feel like a full season, but not so much that you don't have any room for error. And right. Yeah, like you arms. probably do. I think before, you know, MLB just declined to put games on the table. I think 144 was like the number thrown out there. So you're taking away 18 games. That should be, you know, enough. Hopefully you would think. Um, but like, think about it, you know, NFL, which... You know, it's a completely different story. Someone tests positive for COVID in the NFL. They just like sit them out for three days and then magically they're cured and they can come I back. I know yeah. it's the weirdest set of COVID protocols. <laughs> yeah, it makes I know. no sense at but, all. But, you know, with baseball, as we saw with like the Cardinals and the Marlins, if someone tests positive, the whole team has to quarantine. And then you're not only missing one game, you're missing an entire series. So yep. you have to build in plenty of, you know, room to, to you know, navigate any makeup games and whatnot and you know obviously hopefully covid's done by the time season starts but it's not going to be so you might as well just prepare yeah. and err on the side of caution but again rob banford and company are a bunch of dumbasses so that won't happen yeah, i saw a covid like tracking map today where it said all every state except hawaii now has uncontrolled spread <laughs> i was like oh great job everyone i i i'm gonna make one comment about that i have family that lives in hawaii and they keep talking about like how basically they're living their life and i'm like i hate you like you live on the freaking island like you're you're set for a pandemic but anyways one thing to note, um, it is believed that in the new CBA discussions that the PA is going to ask for a reduction in games played. Um, that is something players have wanted for a while. The 162-game season and like 180 games, it's rather taxing on the body, um, and it's a lot. I know players have wanted less games. The owners are less willing because that is less money, but if the expanded playoffs come into effect, I'm pretty sure the owners would. Yeah, that might be a place they could compromise. Because yeah, sure. they're they're gonna make millions in the extra playoff revenue, like losing like what eighteen to twenty play uh, regular season games, like just shorten it a little bit. Yeah, and mm. despite my default get off my lawn position about most things changing, I actually like the expanded playoffs. Not as expanded, but I like the idea of more teams in the playoffs. I think yeah, more than half the league is makes it feel 17. stupid. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I just, you know, I don't even know exactly where they'll come down on it, but something between what they've been doing and what they did they this had, year. They had 16 last year, right? Yeah. 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 I think 12 and, you know, maybe the, is the, the number. Yeah. I the think first two 12. days were awesome because you just got. Oh, my God. It was amazing. All just all day. But, it was like March you know, Madness, but for baseball. Yeah, but it, it was a lot, admittedly. So, you know, I think 12 is a good number. Yeah, and I mean, it was like the equivalent of the fact that some team from the NFC East has to make the playoffs. Like, there were some... T- there well, were then some- look, at, at the end of the day, it was the best AL team and the best NL team in it. Like I it's said, what happened. At the end of the day, it's always the best teams. But um, Manfred said 16 was too many teams. I think the PA agreed to that. So I believe 12-14 is going to be the magic number that gets it done. Yeah, I, I'd go, I think 12 if I were making the decisions. I think 144-game season and 12, 12 games in the playoffs would be a nice compromise. And, so, and we did, I don't think we talked about it at the time, but it's just 
funny that, you know, the playoffs almost doubled in size. Almost, not quite, but almost doubled in size and the Angels still didn't make the playoffs. <laughs> That's true. So That's true. And I know we do not want to get into this debate and, on this pod because we have too many other things on the show doc to talk about. But, yeah, I, I feel like you could have a conversation about you know, who, who's, this, are you really the greatest and the superstar if your team can't make the playoffs and more than half the league can make the playoffs? That. I'm not I saying that. I say, I believe I know that. exactly who brought that up on Twitter too. And that's so, that's the worst argument I've ever seen. I know. I it's don't agree with it. It's such a dumb but, argument in baseball, such an absolutely dumb argument. And like anyone who says but that. arguments are fun. No, anyone who says that, I can tell your baseball IQ is low. Just that is the dumbest argument I have ever seen that Mike Trout is not good at baseball because his team doesn't make the playoffs. I know it is. It's absurd. Okay. So Juan Soto is not good at baseball. Nats didn't make the playoffs. Right. Trey Turner is not good at baseball. It's a stupid argument, but I can definitely see people making that argument now that now that they didn't make even in a season where there was so much more opportunity to make the playoffs, but. It would might be a fun one to throw out on Twitter at some point because Twitter. I'm not touching that. <laughs> Come on. Twitter no. fights are fun. No, I'm not like entertaining any people like that. Any of those. Not people. today. Not so ever. did you guys see, I tweeted it out earlier. I don't know if you saw it, that pitchers list um, or pitcher list account had put out a really cool article about a hard hit per nine stat. That's in the advanced. No, stats. I didn't it was see super it. nice. If you, you should, it was a cool article. I really, really enjoyed it um, about how you could, it was just interesting that basically it's like the best hard contact metric that's available and nobody ever uses it. And they did some really interesting um, comparisons between looking at like Tyler Glass now in the World Series and comparing him to Dallas Keuchel and looking at that they're hard hit anyway it's it's pretty like in the weeds analytics stuff but it was really really cool I'll, I'll, I'll tweet it out again maybe we can tweet it out from the show account for the listeners but I did see uh, very interesting that Amanda didn't win yet another uh, half street high heat pole. It's a lot bum, of bum, crap bum, talking bum, coming from the loser of that. Bum, 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 bum. You know, a decision, a business decision was made. I'm glad you bring this up. Um, a business decision <laughs> was made you. on my part uh-huh. because I was preparing for that draft using MLB trade rumors contract um, predictions. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, talking to Ryan and making the graphic, I'm like, you know, I, I should use fan graphs. Fan graphs seem a little bit more accurate. And I got screwed on the Brad Hand contract because MLB Trade Rumors uh, contract was much more forgiving than the Fan Graphs uh, contract prediction. And, you know, my AAV went, we shot up. And I'm like, yeah, there's no chance I'm going to win because people are going to see that $50 million at the bottom. So rather than voting for myself, I voted for Ryan. And Ryan. Oh, I see. I see. Well, I will point out that I wasn't it Ryan who said, okay, well, I'm now leaving the realm of realistic here and I'm just going to go for it anyway. So we were supposed to all be trying to be realistic. You signed Springer and LeMayhew. (laughs) I know. I want it to be realistic. Mine was realistic and that's why I won. Well, I won because I'm the best. Um, If you take it, if you genuinely, like genuinely, if you take out Liam Hendricks, I can see the Nats doing exactly that. Ozuna McCannon scope. 
Yeah, I think that could be realistic, but that actually leads us pretty nicely into the first part of our Nats bat topic. Hold about on, hold on. I'm not done. I'm not done. No, oh, Ryan, Ryan has to take his victory lap. Oh, yeah, did you need to on. pimp this more? I'm sorry. You go I ahead. don't lose Twitter polls, okay? I don't lose Twitter polls. I am king. Okay, now I'm done. All right. That you're a king who doesn't get to sleep because of a cat. I'm just throwing that out there. Okay. <laughs> so maybe slow your roll just a little bit. At least I don't have to change diapers. So like, hey, actually, I should have pointed that out in my my uh, what happened to me this week. She is potty trained. No more diapers for me. So is Finn. <laughs> well, that's good, but you have to scoop shit out of a box, and I don't have to wipe crappy butts anymore. So. I just started out the window. Who's winning now? (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's talk about LeMayhew. Um, There have been some rumors, although, you know, we'll get to Bryant next because those rumors have been a little bit hotter. But what do you guys think about LeMayhew as a potential for the Nats? John Paul Morosi reported that the Nats have checked in on DJ LeMayhew. Um, He was the first person to report this, and he reported this the other day. He said they're going to be checking in on bats and infielders um and he reported their interests first so that was the one note i just wanted to point in who reported it yeah and uh brit droli who we actually have on the show today i don't know if amanda or ryan you mentioned that um she released an article just today so it was after we got a chance to talk to her basically just outlining you know the interest in dj lemayhew and brian and the one thing she pointed out was because of the nats you know um, outspoken desire to extend Trey extends and obviously, you know, hopefully extend Soto um, despite having all this money off the books, Chris Bryant might be uh, a better or more realistic, or I don't remember the exact word she used uh, option as opposed to DJ Mayhew because DJ Mayhew is going to get somewhere in the realm of four years, 70 million, which, you know, it would be worth it. And I would be excited about, but she makes a good point that, Bryant would be, you know, a one-year all-in move, and then you can still reevaluate next year. And we keep talking about the CBA next year, so you know, it's increasingly likely that the return on Chris Bryant will not be what it once was. You know, you might be able to get him for pretty cheap, especially the fact he's on a one-year deal. You don't know what it's going to look like past past this year as far as the CBA goes and even the pandemic that's you know the the losses and all the stuff they're talking about you know who knows so I'm just hoping it's one or the other uh, I think DJ LeMahieu is a great fit he was my number one you know choice in that draft we did last episode because he plays first second and third at a high level he's a great bat but uh, I don't know if it was Ryan or someone else who pointed it out. He still doesn't really fit the bill of protecting Soto. He doesn't bat behind Soto. He would bat in front of Soto. And obviously, he's a welcome addition to the lineman to the field. But he doesn't exactly fit the bill, fit the bill like some of these other options would. Yeah, and I do like the idea of the one-year deal on Bryant, which would give you that flexibility if you're able to work out a deal with Turner or Soto or both, that it allows you to say, okay, well, if we let Bryant go, then, you know, we we have to obviously come up with another bat, but it gives you that flexibility that a long four-year deal or five-year deal for LeMahieu would not. There's there. a lot of free agents uh, oh, next yeah, year. Yeah, the free agent class is stacked next year. Um not Bryant. 
So we're talking about both. Um, well, you're supposed to do one and then say, are these rumors BS or legit? But that's kind Listen, of out the I'm window. not a slave to the show doc. Okay. Okay. We know that we, we literally listen to you speak every week. Um, <laughs> so yeah, are these BS or legit? I, I think the one on Bryant is legit. Um, because we're talking about LeMayu. God damn it. All right. You're Usually in so much here. trouble, Nick. Ryan's mad. Um, <laughs> I'm married now. I'm always in trouble. Um, it's true. Welcome. <laughs> uh, I don't know what the middle road is. It's the same thing we run into the Nats every year. They're kicking the tires. They're testing mm-hmm. the waters. They're checking they in checked on. They it on. Right. <laughs> yeah. They do this every year. And, you know, you get excited every single time. Mm-hmm. But inevitably, you know, they cancel your confirmation. Then you've got Sterling Castro. Yeah, you, they cancel your confirmation email or send you a cancellation email after your confirmation email and just rip your heart out after you think you got the new PS5. And you don't. Mm-hmm. You get, you know, a PS2 in, in Starling Castro and they say, here, be happy with it. They're like, would you like a Nintendo Switch? <laughs> so, hey, Switches are fun, but it, yeah. Um it's like a Nintendo 3DS. Um, <clears throat> but I think, I, I also just think DJ LeMahieu is going back to New York. So if I it was so like, too. if it was Ozuna or like Springer, I'd be like, all right, it's probably legit. But the fact that it's DJ LeMahieu, like it's going to take something strong to get him away from New York. And I don't think the Nats are going to give him something strong. I don't think so either. I think they're going to want to be a little bit more conservative and, you know, even go with somebody like Brian. Are we allowed to talk about Brian now? Brian left. <laughs> no, he, he's, it, he's not here. Wait, so we can talk about whatever we want. For the record, it was reported like an hour later that LeMayu to Nats was a quote long shot. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't see that, but I think it's a long shot. I think a long shot for him to leave New York at all, but yeah, I don't think he's going to wind up here. I, I think that I Brian so. is a much. I would like to see like if they did like got Ozuna and Bryant, that would be awfully nice. I could go for that. But I think it because Brian's price tag is still nineteen million for the year. So unless they work it out in the deal, like give him more prospects, so the Cubs eat some of the money. Mm-hmm. I don't see them getting two. Because you have to get a little Bryant, creative. <clears throat> yeah, Bryant would effectively be your one free agent addition. Um, and they still have bullpen and some rotational pieces and a four starter to hopefully, you know, lock down. So unless they get some deals elsewhere, uh, Brian's probably the one and done in the main centerpiece of the offseason, which wouldn't be a complete loss. But obviously you would like to see some more done in addition to adding Bryant. Yeah, obviously they need a big bat. And that's the whole thing. Like there, we talked about this last week or the week before, you know, they need that has to be their number one target is a bat to protect Soto. But I really think they need two bats. And the the lineup was so anemic this past year. It was so obvious that in a shocking turn of events, replacing Rendon with Starlin Castro didn't work out. Yeah. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? This is way above our pay grade, but that didn't work. But then again, they could always just go out and add Nolan Arenado. There you go. Well, yep. And that was another thing that um, we discussed a little bit 
with uh, Britt Giroli, who, as we've mentioned a couple times now, we had a chance to talk to um, late last week, and it was awesome. She was a great interview. We really appreciate it. I'm sure all of you who listen to this podcast are big enough Nats fans that you know who she is, but on the off chance you don't, she's an MLB Network contributor and covers the Nats for The Athletic. And if you don't already subscribe to The Athletic, you're crazy. It's only a few bucks a month, and it's so worth it. So they're make also sure you're doing a deal right now. It's like a dollar a month for the first six months. Oh, so, really? I didn't even know. Yeah, that. I just signed up for it. Oh, did you? I've had it for a yeah. while. Yeah. Well, anyway, I like she's to find great. deals rather than, you know, aimlessly throwing away money. But, you know, I'm sure I had a deal around. when I signed up, but it's been a while. So. <laughs> those deals are only for new subscribers. Your, your loyal fans don't get those deals. So anyway, she was awesome. Um, we're going to play the interview for you next, and uh, we'll come back after. Hey, everybody. We are welcoming to the show Britt. Is it Giroli? Am I saying that correctly? Yeah. Yep. It's like Ghirardelli chocolate. Mm, all right. That's an easy way to remember. <laughs> Britt Giroli, who is an MLB Network contributor and a writer for The Athletic, and a name all Nats fans should already know because of her fantastic coverage of our favorite team. Britt, thank you so much for joining us. Can you uh, give your, your social media handle so our listeners know where to find you? Yeah, sure. It's um, at Britt, B-R-I-T-T underscore Giroli, which is a complicated last name, but hopefully once you start typing, it will come up. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, G-H-I-R-O-L-I. Fantastic. Well, like I said, all good Nats fans should already know where to find you online, but just for the sake of thoroughness, we'll uh, make sure everybody gets that information again. So um, there's so much to talk about as far as baseball-wide and, of course, with our Nationals as well, but we'd love to start out with the big news of the week, which was about um, Kim Ang's hiring by the Marlins as the first female and first Asian-American GM. I know you had talked about that a bit online. I'd love to just kind of get your take. Yeah, I think I think there's a couple things here um, to kind of unpack. One, what I don't want people to lose sight of is the fact that Yes, she is a trailblazer, first female, second um, Asian-American that has reached this position. Uh, but I want people to also concentrate on, more importantly, her resume and the fact that she deserved this. She was overqualified for this. She had been interviewing for more than a decade. So when wow. I heard the news on Friday, yeah, I was kind of like, first off, is this real? Because I, I didn't think we would see this day. And I've spoke to a lot of people in the industry who kind of feel the same way, that she was kind of always going to be the bridesmaid, never the bride, right? Just the, the constant, like, diversity hire. And as someone who is a female in a male-dominated industry, um, I get how frustrating it can be to have to earn your way and still feel like you're never doing enough to actually um, be on par with the men. So to me... Um, it's huge that she's female. It's huge that she's Asian American. It's representation is absolutely huge. Um, but I want people to acknowledge the fact that she has a ridiculous resume and she's going to be a really badass GM. So she, she's really well qualified for this. And I've heard from so many men who have said the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I think she's going to be an incredible GM. And it's definitely a right step. Sorry, step in the right direction for the Marlins as well. Um, baseball has been rather behind the other four leagues when it comes to diversity. Um, their front offices are basically an old boys club. Do you think this is the hiring that finally gets baseball to catch up to the other, to the other leagues and we can finally see an ushering in of a new era of diversity in the front offices? 
I hope so. Um, I really do. I think, you know, you look around and people have asked me, okay, after Kim, who's next, right? Who's the next female? And there isn't one. And part of that is because there hasn't been the pipeline. There hasn't been the diversity put in place. People who think diversity is just plucking, okay, you can fix this problem by just randomly hiring diverse people. Well, no, they need to be equipped. Otherwise, it's a failure, right? We're not just promoting diverse people. We're promoting qualified people and opening our picking pool. Um, that's what DNI is. So I, I hope that this hiring opens the doors. I hope at least in the lower levels of baseball operations we start to see that because then we're then we're going to see an impact, right? Like three, five, ten years down the road, that feeder program, they're going to be people in high-ranking positions. So I hope it has that kind of impact. And then I also hope that people who weren't ever sure if this was going to be an avenue for them, right, people who are in college or high school or young girls, um, you know, young boys who are minorities, now know that they can do this. So I hope this really has a, a lasting change on MLB and, as you mentioned, other sports as well. It's really cool to see. I feel like over this past year, we've kind of condensed a lot of what I hoped we would have maybe done 10 years ago. Uh, we now have coaches in MLB who are female. Uh, we have agents who are female. Uh, we're starting to really break down these barriers, and I just hope that this continues. And I also hope that one day I can go on a Zoom and we don't have to say the first female this and the first female that, right? I think right. that would be the ultimate progress. Absolutely. That's a great point. Yeah, absolutely. And Britt, you, I saw on Twitter you were talking about, this was shortly after the news broke, you were sharing some of your experiences with players kind of, you know, helping you out along the way, which no, obviously you, you hit the nail on the head. Kim is way overqualified. She's probably the, you know, most qualified GM in all of baseball, and she's only been a GM for a week. I don't think that's too much of a stretch to say. Like, the resume speaks for itself. Um, but I, I would love to hear some of your experiences just with players helping you out and, you know, talk about what, you know, needs to happen, what should happen, what you want to happen going forward. Because, obviously, this is long overdue uh, to have, you know, not only a female but a minority in this, you know, high of a position in baseball. Yeah, so my experiences with the players, you mean? Like being... Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I tweeted probably one of the most memorable ones that Dontrell Willis, um, in 2008, I was covering a minor league game. Uh, it was his rehab start for um, MLB.com. I was an intern, and um, I was told that I couldn't go into the clubhouse. This was obviously not true. It was 2008. We have been, women have been allowed in the clubhouse since the 80s. Um, so anyway, I was told I couldn't go in. Minor League Baseball is a little behind in the times, even now. Um, and Dontra Willis came out and was like, that's not right. Like, really was forceful with the attendant. Uh, the attendant was insistent. Dontra ended up winning. And, of course, at this point, everyone had already done their interviews, the other people that were there. Um, Dontra Willis stayed, answered every question I had, just me and him. Um, I will always be a Dontra Willis fan for that reason. But so many other guys along the way, whether it's, you know, standing up for me because a player is trying to hit on me or trying to, to, to not take me seriously. I've had veterans be like, listen, she's not that kind of girl. Like, I've had them say that out loud in clubhouses to guys. Um, members of front offices have said to me, hey, let me know if you ever need, you know, ever have any issues, you ever have any problems. That was one of the first things Mike Rizzo said to me um, when I came to DC was, listen, you have a problem with anyone for any reason in any position, you come to me and we'll fix this. Uh, and I thought that was really important. 
um, you know, really kind of setting the tone, right? Because I think in 2020, people are aware enough to realize that everything that happens in the Nationals organization is a reflection of Mike Rizzo, right? So I just take it as good leadership. You are responsible, ultimately, for the people you hire and their actions. And I think we are at a point in sports where um, we are realizing that, no, the way that we've treated people in the past will not fly. And in my experience, most players are the most welcoming. Are It's much easier to fit in with the players than it is for me to fit in with my own peers over the years, um, to get respect from, from male colleagues who have been in the field for 10 or 20 years who, you know, don't think I know baseball or, or don't want to take me seriously. Um, I think that um, those are slowly changing. Those those walls are slowly eroding because we're coming out in forces and I'm not the only female anymore in the room. Um, but I think the players deserve a lot of credit for being so open-minded and for really paving the way and helping not just me, but there are so many female reporters um, who players have really gone out of their way to help make their path easier. That's yeah, really that's really great to hear. I, it makes me happy to hear that that's changing at all levels of baseball. And I think it, it kind of ties into what you were just saying about there needing to be, well, for lack of a better phrase, we'll call it a farm system for, you know, female or minority um, executives because there really aren't any in the pipeline. And I think now that there are so many, um, so many diverse people coming up through baseball in the lower levels that as time goes by, that, that feeling of not being welcome or not fitting in will dissipate for people coming up behind you. That, that is the hope. People always, you know, I have a lot of females, younger females who get into this, who reach out to me for various things. And people are always like, is it getting better? And I'll be honest with you guys, like maybe, maybe a year ago I would have been like, yeah, but not as much as I thought it would have been. We are now, I feel like, making up so much lost ground here that we are getting to the point where I'm like, yes, I can say with certainty that it is getting better and we are moving forward. That's great. Well, that is fantastic to hear. And it will be nice, as you said, when you don't even have to talk about this on an interview because it will just be understood. That, exactly. will, be, that will be a wonderful day. So let's uh, move on to talk a little bit about, I'd like to just ask you um, kind of your expectations for free agency this year and what you're seeing so far, you know, with the uncertainty of COVID and the uncertainty of the, the CBA going forward. Like, what is it that you think we're going to see in, in this free agency period this offseason? Um, I think what's going to happen and what we, we've already kind of seen is a lot of non-tenders. A lot of guys, Brad Hand is one that really stands out. Terrific year. Um, had his option declined. Charlie Morton, the same thing, Tampa Bay. I think you're going to see a lot of non-tendered guys, uh, and that's going to happen in early December. And I think a lot of teams are waiting because that is going to give us an unprecedented amount of free agents. And from there, they're going to look for bargains. They're going to be able to sign these guys to shorter deals, to cheaper deals, and efficiency is the big buzzword in sports, right? We hear about it all the time. Mm -hmm. All these front offices trying to be efficient. And that's what you're going to see. You're going to see a maybe slow winter to develop. Um, I do think when it comes to the NAS specifically, they will sign a free agent or two. Um, you know, they have, they're kind of in that win-now window still uh, where what is the point in if you're going to pay Scherzer and Strasburg if you're not going to try to win. Um, yep. I do think they're in that spot. <laughs> But I don't think they're going to spend stupid money to borrow a term from uh, from Middleton, uh, the Phillies owner. I, I don't think anyone is going to. Maybe the Mets, now that they have Steve Cohen and, and some new ownership over there. Um, but I think you're going to see a lot of guys take shorter deals and hope 
and pray that the market is going to rebound and correct itself here um, in a year or two. And so that's going to be important for clubs that, like the Nats, who are trying to win now but don't necessarily want to add a longer deal when they have guys like Juan Soto and Trey Turner who they potentially want to keep around and want to, to pay. So it could work out in the Nats' favor a winter like this. Um, I'm really curious to see what they do with the Rule 5 draft because they have so many 40-man roster spots. And they have seven top 30 prospects that they would need to protect. And I'm wondering, because, again, those guys are cheap, and we're all about the cheap labor in MLB, um, will they protect a lot more of those guys um, and see what they have, especially because they had the minor league season? It's really tough to evaluate what you've got right now. Yeah, and you mentioned that they have nine open 40-man spots on the roster. Um, that's kind of a lot. We've seen them add a couple guys recently. They're minor league deals. With all the non-tenders, do you think they're going to take approach where they're just going to add a bunch of more minor league contracts that are low risk, potential high reward? Um, or do you think we can see them taking more of an approach from last year where they just went bargain hunting for the little mid-30s veterans or potentially make a big splash or two to get that protection for Soto and finish off that 40-man roster? Um, I think that they're, the problem, they won't do what they did last year because they don't have that kind of money to sign like a Steven Strasburg. And then really after that, you can't really complain about what they do with their off season. Um, I think the thing they can't go cheap with is the bat. They have to actually add a bat. Um, you can't lose Bryce Harper and Anthony Rendon in back-to-back winners and not replace any kind of offensive production and expect to not have a drop-off. And I think that was very clear. Um, I do think a good chunk of their funds, whatever funds they have, you know, we don't know what their budget is. Uh, Mike Rizzo will not answer that question. Probably really tired of me asking him about it. Um, but it's helpful to know, right? Um, you know, he's got to try. Um, so I think that a good chunk of their money, if I'm them, I'm spending on one premier bat, and then I'm looking at, like you said, the bargain, the bargain shopping, the bargain hunting, um, because you do have a lot of the pieces in place here. Um, you just need another bat. You cannot have a lineup where you have like two guys that you're afraid of and then just everybody else. It just doesn't work. And we saw how much the Nats struggled when Juan Soto was not in that lineup. Yeah. And I think that's definitely going to be really important to watch this year. Um, especially they have no protection for Juan. We're looking at probably a hundred plus walks throughout the year and that's not going to be very good. Um, you mentioned Trey Turner. Is there any new news on conversations regarding an extension for him? Because I feel like that should be probably a pretty big priority for this franchise is trying to lock him up long-term. It should be, but I have not heard that there's anything going on there. So, um, yeah, nothing nothing new, but I agree with you. I think, it's, I think it has to be our number one priority. Um, I don't know how much this market maybe makes him a little more susceptible to sign or not sign, but... I haven't heard anything on that front. Hmm. Well, Interesting. Cricket. Uh, yeah, that, <laughs> that's encouraging. Um, <laughs> uh, Britt, one thing I've been, you know, lobbying for, and it's just like on the top of my wish list, and it has been for a couple of years now, is Nolan Arenado. Um, you recently put out an article doing a really great job of just kind of like talking it out, and you put, you know, I guess it wasn't really pen to paper, but you put on paper, you know, what we're thinking in terms of what it's going to take, what the Rockies might be looking for, would Arenado even be open to that and all that stuff. Um, 
one, if, you know, do you see the Rockies potentially moving Arenado? Because there is a little bit of, you know, a standoff there. And two, do you think the Nats would be serious contenders for Arenado should he become available? Would they, you know, pay up with prospects and capital to go get him? Yeah, I mean, honestly, when the Rockies reporter asked me if we could go over this, I was like, this seems insane. Uh, but the more we dug into it, and as you mentioned, I did write about it on the Athletic, uh, on the NAS page, and it, it it got a ton of play. I ended up talking about it on XM Radio as well, and um, Steve Phillips, the former GM, was like, I would make this move. And I did talk to people in the NAS organization before, before saying, like, this is a trade I think could happen because I don't want to just throw out things that have no potential. But I do think there's mm-hmm. an avenue. I do think there's an avenue where they could get him. Um, it's not a, a done thing by any means. I think the key with him, as I wrote, would be he has to push that opt-out. Nobody, Nats or any other team, is going to want to acquire a player that you pay all that money to that you have to give players up for to get him for one year. So there is talk of Arenado being open to moving his opt-out a few years. So if you can get three years of Nolan Arenado, I think then the Nats and other teams are listening, right? Now you have a guy guy in the prime of his career, a guy who has been very vocal about wanting to win, joining a team like the Nationals who has that window, as we talked about. So um, I don't think it's a totally crazy idea. The Nats have shown a willingness to spend, and they also only have one more year of Max Scherzer's contract, which is about the same amount of money as Nolan Arenado's. Now, of course, you can't jump to the, well, are they not going to sign Scherzer after this? Well, maybe, but I think you're going to have a hard time convincing people that Max Scherzer is going to continue to make $35 million now that he's getting up there in age. So mm-hmm. I think if you're the Nats, you, you kind of look at this and say, okay, this isn't so insane of an idea. And the more I went through this and, um, you know, the more I went through scenarios, it, it is an actually – not a totally unfeasible thing. So I don't think it's their first avenue to improve, but it's not something I would rule out because the Rockies are desperate and they want to move Arenado. So, um, again, there's there's just a lot of factors at play here, and it's fascinating to imagine Nolan Arenado in this lineup on this national team and how good they could potentially be. Yeah, it's yeah. awfully fun to dream about because you're right. It did seem kind of like a pipe dream, but then I read your article. I loved it. And it, it doesn't seem that nuts once you read through it. Like maybe this could make sense. So uh, let's all will it into existence, shall we? Let's. Exactly. I just <laughs> I think it'd be like... awesome because sure they're so like win now and so intense. And I've heard Arenado is as well. And I just think it would balance out some of the very chill characters in that clubhouse. Um, I think it would be a great addition. <laughs> well, I hope that happens. Um, let's talk a little bit um, about people they have already signed and kind of who you'd mentioned maybe they need to go get that impact bat. So if it's not Arenado, maybe some other targets. Um, they've signed now Sam Clay. That just broke this afternoon who, you know, they did need lefty relief pretty badly. And i wondering your thoughts on that. Is that really the move they're going to make for left-handed relief pitching or do you foresee anything more coming? And then also they've not. signed... <laughs> <laughs> You hope not? What are your thoughts I hope on that? not. No. I mean, I've never even heard of the guy. I had to Google him. I hope that's not their left-handed uh, only addition. Yeah, I had uh, to Google him, too. I was like, who? Yeah. And he's never even played in the majors, which it's yeah. unusual to sign a guy to a major league contract who's never even appeared in the major leagues. So interesting yeah. there. And then also Yomani Tomas and Matt Merrill are their recent pickups. Yeah. I mean, what you're doing right now is you're filling out, like, 
some of the roster depth, right? None of these moves are like super sexy and they're going to get you very excited. Um, this is similar to Finnegan last year. Um, the thing is, is he's going to be under team control for six seasons. So that's really what this move is about as well is he's cheap. He's under team control and he's left-handed. So why not? Um, so no, I don't think this is the only lefty they add. Um, I think you, you, you mentioned the, the other guys. This is also just like, okay, let's take a flyer. That's really what this is. Um, you know, he didn't pan out in Arizona. Uh, Tomas, as you mentioned, another guy. Okay, let's take a flyer on him. Um, all right, you know, Sam Clay was at the Twins alternate site on their 60-man all year, but never made it up. Okay, well, let's take a flyer on him. Now we have him as cheap, and he's under team control. So um, that's kind of the moves you're seeing right now, kind of the only moves you're seeing right now because, again, we're waiting for that second dam to come open. We're waiting for those non-tenders, which are, I believe, December 1, and then you're going to see a little more movement among teams as we get closer to the virtual winter meetings, as we get closer to, you know, January. A lot of this is predicated, too, on are they going to start on time? Is this going to be a regular 162-game season? A lot of people I talk to do not believe that that's going to be the case. So, um, there's a lot of things at play here for teams trying to get better and just a ton of unknown. Yeah, it's a weird off season. <laughs> it definitely is a strange one. I don't know. I can remember a free agency period quite like this one. And then adding to the weirdness, the Nats don't have a AAA affiliate right now. Um, <laughs> they are trying to come to the East Coast, but I just saw that Richmond is going back to Giants as one location now. Um, and then you add in the challenges that MLB is kind of shifting minor league baseball as a whole with cutting a lot of sites. So how does that add to the challenges of Nats getting back on the East Coast so the AAA team isn't in Fresno again? Yeah, that's definitely going to help them. Um, they're they're not going to be in Fresno again. People know that, right? Like that's, I think. People that's assume new... that, but I don't think anybody yeah. knows that. <laughs> okay, so they're not going to be in Fresno again. Um they're not going to be in Fresno again, I was told for sure. Um, that's not happening. Oh, okay. Fresno is kind of in limbo trying to figure out if they're being affiliated or not. Auburn is also being dropped. Um, the, New York, uh, the New York Penn League is pretty much dissolving. So the Nats are only going to lose one team um, out of all this. Some teams are losing two. The Nats are only losing one short season club, which would be Auburn. Um, a lot of this, none of this is official. A lot of it is still kind of speculation. I've been trying to work on figuring logistics and things out. I do think what they're going to probably end up doing um, is looking for a way to elevate Fredericksburg because it's brand new, whether that's shifting it with Harrisburg and flipping them, making that one um, A and making the brand new Fredericksburg double A is a potential. Um, I think when you look at, you know, what, what the Nats are doing, it's going to be something that's geographically close. Rochester is something that jumps out to me. Richmond, I know they were rumored on. They were never super crazy about Richmond. It's an old stadium. It's dilapidated. It needs some work. Um, also, there's talk of the Orioles dropping one of their affiliates, Bowie or Frederick. And if they do that, the Nationals could pick one of those up um, as well. So uh, there's just a lot of things at play right now, a lot of things that are unknown. Um, hopefully, MLB comes out with all of this info soon, but you're going to see – a lot of these teams now clustered. Demographics is huge. They're all going to be clustered as close to the parent club as possible. That's yeah, very think, interesting. <laughs> yeah. I think Rochester <laughs> would definitely be 
a heck of a lot better than Fresno. You can uh, actually get there on the flight, which is something you couldn't do with Fresno. <laughs> um, changing gears a little bit, one of the moves that the Nats did make this offseason was Dave Martinez finalizing his coaching staff. Um, one of the biggest moves was Jim Hickey as the new pitching coach. What type of impact do you think he will have on this pitching staff? So, fun fact, I actually go back to 2008 with Jim Hickey and Dave Martinez. Um, the Rays were the first team I covered back in 08. Jim Hickey was there. So I was very excited about this hire. As soon as I heard that Davey was going to pick his own pitching coach, I immediately knew it was going to be Jim Hickey. He is Davey's guy. Um, what I like about Jim Hickey is he's got this cachet. He's worked with some of the biggest names in baseball. He's been around baseball for so long that he's not going to be afraid to get into Max Scherzer or Steven Strasburg's face and tell them what to do or tell them what he's seeing. Um, there's going to be no fear factor with him. And he's also, you know, he is an old school guy in some regards because he's just been around baseball for a long time. He's also a guy that's obsessed with numbers and stats. Um, I called a bunch of pitchers who had him and went, went more in depth into this in, in a, a story for The Athletic, but, you know, Jake Odorizzi and, and some other guys who he had when, he was with Tampa, and they were like, the guy could recite stats and numbers like crazy. And he obviously spent a lot of time in a raised organization that even in 08 was well ahead of the curve, right? They were already doing the analytics. They were already doing the advanced stats. So he understands all of that. And he also spent time in the Dodgers organization, which is basically known as the gold standard for development for pitchers. So I think what he brings is a lot of – the ideal. He's got the, the game experience. He played the game. He's got the cachet in dealing with Andy Pettit and Roy Oswalt and some of the, the really, really good Houston um, pitchers when the Astros were just terrific uh, part of that dynasty. He's got the cachet that comes with working with the Dodgers and the Rays, and he is a guy who works and knows Dave Martinez very well. So I think it's going to be a great hire. I think people are really going to enjoy him. He's a great media guy. He's very articulate. He's well-spoken. He's funny. Um, I think he's going to be, a, as much as I love Paul Menhart, and I do love Paul Menhart, um, and I was upset to see him leave, I think people are really going to like what Jim Hickey brings to the staff. All right, well, you convinced me. I'm excited for the hire now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just excited to see what he can do. You know, obviously there was some underperformance from the pitchers this year, and it's such a weird year. It's hard to really evaluate or judge anything from – from a 60 game weird season like this, but, you know, I think some letting Davey have his own guys come in is um, kind of a, an interesting vote of confidence from the ownership for him. And it makes it feel like he's more of a permanent part of the landscape. It was always a little bit like, okay, he's on a trial because they never let him bring in his own staff. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Um, okay, I've got one more question for you, Britt, which is if you were the GM for a day and you got to kind of say, okay, this is the direction I'm going to take the Nats in for this offseason. I need, you know, an impact bat or a fourth starter or a reliever or whatever. What are you doing if you were if you're king for a day? <laughs> Ooh, do I have a budget or can I just do whatever I want? Whatever no you want. No budget. <laughs> you know, but I'm going to add Arenado. I'm going to sign Springer, and I'm also going to add JT Romuto. Love it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. That's what I'm talking things. about. <laughs> yeah, those are probably my top things. I'm probably going to go get Liam Hendricks, too, to add another Great. arm to the back of the bullpen. I don't really want to mess with Trevor Bauer. I think you've already got the alpha male in Scherzer, and I don't really know how that would gel. Um, but I think 
you make the upgrades I said, and you don't really need to make too many other upgrades. You go get a, a Bilo starter, an Odorizzi, as I mentioned. Um, you know, you, you, you kind of can piece that together. Uh, if you add those guys, like, you're going to score 10 runs a game, so who cares who's pitching fifth anyway? <laughs> Exactly. Who cares who's in the bullpen? You scored 10 runs, it doesn't matter. So basically, exactly. you're you're taking what the Mets are planning to do this offseason, and you're adding Arenado, Lindor, Bauer, uh, literally everyone on, under the sun, because you can just spend stupid money. Right, exactly. exactly. They're the stupid money people this year. I guess we'll see how yeah. that works out. Although, I don't know if you saw, Britt, while we were talking, that um, yeah. it's like Robinson Cano just got suspended for the whole season for a PED violation. So. I, I did see that. Yep, he did. So. It's going to cost him quite a bunch of money. The Mets now get $24 million in financial flexibility because he doesn't get paid. So and now they're signing Dier LeMahieu, too. Jeez. Yeah. So, pretty much. Yeah. So. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, All right. So. Um, our last last official question here. Um, we have someone on. We like to ask them a fun, lighthearted question. It's our way of making our guest an official best friend of the podcast. So congratulations, you're a best friend of the podcast. Um, we had a discussion about this on our last episode, and we need your official opinion about it. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Absolutely not. Thank you. <laughs> brutal. Just brutal. Oh, well, we won't keep you on long enough for me to make my bullet-pointed case that I made on the last episode, but for those of you who are listening, I'm sure you've already heard it anyway. So, Well, thank you so much, Britt, for joining us. It was fun. We really appreciate all your insight um, on the issues we discussed and hope we'll be able to do it again soon. And uh, hopefully we'll have lots more Nat stories breaking when they sign Arenado and all the other people you want them to get because if you, I, I like I like the no budget Brit um, plan yeah. for the Nats off season. that's what I'm I that's what it. I'm looking I for I love it yeah thank All right. you I, <laughs> let's see so can you give everybody your handles one more time just in case they missed them at the top of the interview yeah sure it's um it's Brit underscore Giroli G-H-I-R-O-L-I you can follow me on Twitter you can follow me on Instagram. I'm going to try to get better at posting some work news and work stuff there as well. And, um, yeah, that's, that's where you can find Facebook, too. I don't know. Do people still Facebook anymore? I don't Amanda does. I don't actually have Facebook <laughs> anymore. But no, I don't. But also the athletic, of course. So um, worth oh, yeah. every penny because I love my athletic. I, I read stuff on the athletic every single day. So if you get anybody listening, if you don't have an athletic subscription yet, you are missing out. You need to get yourself one. Yes, yes, thank you. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Hopefully we can do it again soon and take care. Yes. All right, guys. Take care. Yep. Thank All you. Right. Thanks, Britt. All right. So thanks again to Britt for joining us. Um, as you heard on there, we did talk a little bit about the uh, AAA situation, and she did tell us um, and confirm for us that it was not going to be Fresno. And uh, it seems like she knew it was going to be Rochester, but didn't quite want to tell us yet so it broke the next day right after we talked to her yeah. anyway it was awesome and uh we really appreciated having her hopefully we will do it again soon yeah it was awesome all right so next let's talk a little bit about the rule five draft so this is something that has been in the news a lot lately so you've seen a lot of the mlb reporters talking about it and i feel like a lot of people don't probably understand what it is it's pretty in the weeds so we thought maybe we would do a quick explanation of it for you guys. 
and then uh, maybe talk a little bit about how it affects the NATS this year. So um, I'm just going to give a little explanation based on the MLB glossary. So if you want to go read the whole thing, you can check it out there at MLB.com slash glossary. Um, it's always held in December. And the Rule 5 drafts lets clubs who don't have their 40-man rosters already full to select certain non-40-man roster players from other clubs. So you see this every year, and you kind of hear about it a little bit, but um, the clubs will draft in reverse order of the standings from last season. So that bodes well for the Nats if they try to pick anybody up. Um, if a player was signed at age 18 or younger, they need to be added to their club's 40-man roster within five seasons, or they become eligible for this draft. And if they signed at age 19 or older, they have to be protected within four seasons. So there's a lot more to this about they can come back to their original club and there's money that changes hands between the clubs, but it's, like I said, it's pretty obscure. So I encourage everybody, if you're curious about it, to go check it out. I don't want to read it to you verbatim. I'm sure you can all read. But uh, this year, the Nats protected, what did we say was Adon and uh, Yazel Antuna, I think is how you say Antuna. it. Yasel uh, Antuna and Joan Adon. So those are their prospects that they chose to add to their 40-man roster to keep them from being snatched up in the draft by another club, which is actually interesting because you hear a lot about the bigger name prospects, but then you see what the clubs do and who they actually choose to protect. It tells you a little bit about what internally the clubs are thinking are their most valuable assets. Yeah, I remember last year for the Rule 5 uh, draft, they didn't protect – Sterling Sharp, I think his name is. Mm -hmm. I think they left him again this year. Yeah, he ultimately went to the Marlins, and everyone's like, why would you not protect him, da-da-da-da-da. And then he ultimately came back, and then they didn't protect him again. So the fact that they let him go twice kind of tells you what the Nats think of him. Mm -hmm. um, but to your point, you know, they protected Antuna and Adon. Um, and, you know, with the Rule 5 draft, if you protect them, you're adding them to your 40-man roster. I don't know if you, you know, you got into that part. But so the Nats had some wiggle room because they declined all of, you know, the available options. So they had, a, at least compared to years past or recently, um, they had more available options on their, you know, 40-man roster than they normally do. So they protected two. Um, there was a third. I can't remember exactly who it was that people were thinking they, they might protect and they ultimately decided not to. But I think, um, I think it was Mark Zuckerman or, you know, one of the, the big Nats uh, beat reporters um, still outlined like, so with protecting these two, they're at 33 of 40 and, you know, you still think, Oh, seven spots. Why didn't they, you know, give that one more to that one prospect? Well, you know, they still hopefully need a bat. They need bullpen help. They need a rotational guy. They need a, f a fourth starter. Mm -hmm. um, they you need know, that space they, on the roster. Yeah, the, you know, they need a backup catcher. That was one. So that's five right there of seven. And then you usually want to leave a little wig room in case, you know, someone breaks camp. Like, you know, these minor league deals that the veterans sign, um, you know, maybe someone impresses in camp. And then you want to offer them a spot, too. So you don't want to, you know, fill it right away and then be stuck and have to DFA someone or trade someone. Um, and you they might have also want to be able to snag somebody from somebody else's Rule 5 draft. Yep. You know, or, you know, the, the non-tendered guys, too. Yeah, there's going to be a whole slew of those, as um, you heard in the interview with Britt, like the, the number of 
of non-tenders is probably going to be pretty astronomical this year. So it's, it's going to be a really interesting first, second week of December. I think the, the market's been super slow so far, but I think we're going to see a lot of action after the non-tender deadline. Yep. Yes, indeed. Okay, so that was just a little bit about the Rule 5 draft. Like I said, it's kind of obscure, and it's a lot of times people don't really care about it or seem that interested in it because it's a lot of guys you've never heard of. But it is interesting in the glimpse it provides into what the clubs really think of their farm hands and, and who they really want to make sure doesn't end up on another club. Yep. All right. So let's move on. What do we have next? Twitter questions. We got a few good ones here. At Untrollable says, if the Nats trade for Bryant and take on his salary, do you see them still being able to add a major free agent? We just talked he about that. He changed his name because you couldn't pronounce the last one, so he changed it to one that you would be able to pronounce. So shout out no. to Tyler for that. Um, great guy. I won't say a top free agent. Um, definitely middle of the road. Like they would still be able to add someone like Michael Brantley, but it would probably take him out of the Springer Real Muto sweepstakes. Maybe Ozuna, considering Ozuna would probably get the same yearly amount that Brian's going to get. So someone mid who's still pretty good, like James McCann, um, Brantley, those guys would still be available who are still good. Um, so in that situation, taking on the entire contract, Bryant would definitely be their top get of the offseason. Yeah, I think it's on if they get Bryant, they I, I don't doubt that they'll go out and get another free agent or two, but I don't think I don't think there's anybody I would call a major free agent, except like you said, maybe Ozuna, I would definitely consider him major, but we will see. But, I think yeah. they'll probably rest on their laurels a bit if they get Bryant. Yeah, they still have room to operate. Like, they wouldn't be one and done with Bryant, and they couldn't afford to be either. It's not like Bryant's their one missing piece. They have plenty of, <laughs> no. you know, holes throughout the roster. Um, but, you know, Bryant doesn't rule out other pieces. And, you know, like we mentioned earlier, it shouldn't be too big a, of a haul to get him. Nothing like the Adam Eaton deal. Not even like the... Uh, Sean Doolittle, Ryan Matson deal where we gave up Luzardo and uh, another, you know, high, high, uh, highly touted uh, arm, um, you know, two solid pitching process, which we have plenty of now because that's all we've been drafting in years past, uh, should be able to get it done. Uh, there's a couple of options. I can't remember who, if it was MLB.com tweeted an article with three potential trade packages and, uh, I would take all of them, but, you know, that's just me. Um, I think I saw that, and I was thinking the same thing. Like, yeah, those all seem fine. Yep, yeah, I was like, yeah, whatever yeah. you want. Everyone's like, oh, no, you can't do these. Half those people are saying that have not heard of those prospects named until they saw that article. And everyone's like, oh, yeah. no, we can never do this. Yeah, like I know the there was Rutledge and uh, Cole Henry, and Cole Henry was our second-round pick this year. Um, and Rutledge was previously our number one pitching prospect. So obviously you would like not to, if you can get them for cheaper, obviously get them for cheaper. But if it comes down to the Cubs saying, give us Rutledge and Henry, guess who's packing their bags. Right. So it's, a, it's uh, Rutledge and Henry. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Amanda. <laughs> um, you told me to guess. <laughs> yeah, I, you nailed it. You nailed it. It's the first time you've won anything. Um, but wow. you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the, a Bryant addition would be fine for the Nats. And, you know, you can still add McCann, Tommy Ostella. Shout out, Tommy Ostella. Yeah, um, there's there's a lot of talk from Nats fans about Bryant, um, obviously because there's been a lot of chatter this week. 
Like Bryant is going to be a quote buy low candidate, but buy low for Bryant is different from buy low for every single other player in baseball. Like you yeah. still have to remember he's entering his age 29 season. He's had a six war three out of six seasons in his career. The other three, he had a 4.8 in 2018. He had a 2.9 when he only played the hundred some odd games, which is rather good. And then last year where he only played 30 games. Um, a lot of people are going to focus on 2019 and 2020. He was great in the first half of 2019. Then he got hurt and he was off and on. And then he had a really bad 2020, only played 30 games. So people are going to look at those last 70 games, like why we want this guy. You have to remember yeah, people. <laughs> you're adding a 29 year old who was like the first player in MLB history, who was the minor league. Sorry. He was the college player of the year, the minor league player of the year, the MVP and rookie of the year. Like he did all that in his career. Like there's a literally, he was the first, sorry, Ryan, I didn't mean to cut you off. He was literally sure. the first player to go through the situation where the, the Cubs literally held him down to gain an additional year of service time because he was that good at that early of an age. And they did not want to let him go. That's and now they're the going to let him go for that last year that they manipulated well, yeah, time to get. They're still going to get a return for it. Like they yeah. were, they were freaking billboards outside of Wrigley when he was in the minor leagues ready for this guy. Like yep. there's a reason why he's very good. He does have the elbow injury, but he can play left field. He can play right field. Yeah. He can play third. He can play second. He can play first. And that he's versus- going to be chomping at the bit with something to prove this coming year. Exactly. Like mm-hmm. if, if it hits, you're an absolute genius because you've got one year prime Chris Bryant. If it doesn't, who cares? It's one year. Like it's a one year deal. Like there's no really risk involved in the one year. And like, yeah, you're getting into your farm system, but at the same time, you're not, you don't have any long-term commitment. You can still go into 2022 with a lot of money off the books. You can focus on Juan. You can focus on Trey, do whatever you want because it's only one year. Meanwhile, if you go someone like Springer, Real Muto, you have a lot of money committed to them. That's yet another big contract on the team that probably shouldn't have another big contract. Like, let's be honest. They have a lot of big contracts in the rotation. So unlike Bryant on the one year, it's a perfect situation for a franchise that's entering its transition period. Yep. Couldn't agree more. All right. Um, a list here at one lovely lady C writes us and says, who do you think should be the five starter? Did Fetty impress enough to get the job or should it be Joe Ross? Uh, I'm absolutely Fetty Joe Ross Chicago. So yeah, it's absolutely Joe Ross. I've been a Joe Ross stand for years. Um, and I, I was hoping 2020 would be the year where he finally like got his consistent shot in the rotation. Obviously he opted out. I think he's smart to do so. Um, but I'm hoping 2021 is the year where he just establishes himself. I don't think he's ever going to be the ace, but I don't think we also, we don't need him to. I just, we just need him to be a guy. We need him to be an innings eater. And I'm hoping it is Joe Ross, but I also think it should be Joe Ross. I mean, he started a world series game for crying out loud. Yeah. They clearly see and something. I don't think we've him. seen the best of him yet. I really don't. I agree. Like he's got, he's, he's got more to show us and he really hasn't had that consistency in the rotation. And I, I, I hope it's Joe Ross as well. I think. I mean, Fetty's going to be around. It's not like we're lousy with uh, starting pitchers. We don't have we don't have a lot of starting pitchers laying around for depth. So Fetty's not going to be, you know, he's going to be around if somebody gets hurt. We're going to see plenty of Fetty, but I think the the fifth starter spot should be Ross's. Agreed. All right. Oh, staying on the Joe Ross train here. How does Joe Ross opting out impact Joe after his Tommy John surgery and his recovery? 
So a lot of a lot of Tommy John people opted out for the season with the concern that playing the season would mess up with their road to recovery. Um, so you have to think that him not playing this year helps him long-term and also helps him with this rehab because he could literally just focus on the entire year rehabbing at home in his own situation. So you have to think that helps. Um, there's also a chance that not pitching the entire year also sets him back and he's going to experience a lot of elbow tightness. So you kind of have to hope that it is, you know, the first and not where he's going to have a lot of setbacks. Um, Cause I feel like the team kind of does need him this year. Um, he's a young pitcher and those are extremely valuable. As we talked about earlier, the amount of innings that pitchers are going to be going to this year is going to impact them. So hopefully he's well-rested and his rehab went fantastic this year. And he is working on the changeup right now. Um, that was a huge thing for him getting a third pitch. So hopefully that's ready to roll. Well, that'll be fun. Changes are tough to throw, man. So Yeah, and I hope that his rehab has included enough. I mean, like normally you would be back with the club and, and you know, working through a lot. Even if you're not pitching in games, you'd be working through a whole lot of um, – the whole lot of rehab with the the pitching staff and I don't know what his rehab setup is on his own but hopefully he's getting plenty of pitching in so that his the rehab can kind of continue as if he hadn't missed this past season but we'll have to just see what it looks like in spring training I guess yep all right last question is at Erevas I guess E. Revis. Oh, I see. Well, you know, it should have a second capital letter to make me understand that that was anyway. E. Revis 92 says, how do this year's offseason considerations change financially if Turner and or Soto sign extensions? Well, that's not going to happen. But The good don't, news is neither will happen. Because, I know. <laughs> this is a wholly a hypothetical because like, it's not going to happen. Juan's right. a while, while away from that. Like we will should not talk about a Juan Soto contract extension. Um, they're going to take advantage of the system. We're going to have to pay him like $12 million at the most in the next couple of years. Um, and I think they also understand how important this offseason is, so they're not going to focus on Trey just yet. So, But if they do sign Trey, I have a feeling that's the quote-unquote big, bat, big free agent they sign if Trey gets an extension. Do you know how much Trey's getting this year, Ryan? This is last year of arbitration, right? Give me one second. Google knows. My my point being, I would assume this last year of ARB would be similar to what his AAV would be should he get, um, you know, an extension. So from Trey specifically, it wouldn't change too much. And, you know, uh, and we'll, we'll tie in the Soto deer here the Nats love to defer money they love to backload these contracts so that way it's cheaper in the, the beginning of the years especially when you still have max on the books and you know you have Strauss for 35 million this year and, and so on and so forth so you know I don't think it would change it too much but I wholeheartedly agree with Ryan should they get specifically a Trey Turner deal done they are going to view that as their one big free agent you know addition even though it quite literally is not like Trey is literally still on the team. So he's not a free agent addition, right. but in any sense of the word, so but they will just you know, stick their fingers in their ears. But and say, yeah, la, they, la, la, they will say, take this, be happy. And we won't be. His estimate is 13 million for this year. He made okay, seven so, and a half last year. So slightly under, I, I think he'll get what? 15 to 17. Uh, in, if he, 
Signs an extension, get 15, 17. If he hits free agency, slightly more. Okay, so we'll say like 17. So it's slightly under, but, you know, 4 million more. And again, they're going to front load it, or excuse me, back load it. So it would still be around 13 this year anyway, should we see a trade turner extension. So from that aspect, I don't think it changes anything too, too much. Now, if if they were to sign a Soto extension, which they won't, but if for the sake of argument they did, then that would completely change all the financial considerations, and that would be the only thing that they would do. <laughs> yeah. Which would be fine with me, actually. If they just could lock Soto up, I'd be like, okay, do what you got to do. Yeah, at least that would be, like, some foundational thing to work on. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and it's one thing we're not – you know, we haven't talked about too much, but the Nats kind of shot themselves in the foot because they're consistently letting top talent go. You know, I get they let Bryce go and won the World Series. I understand that. But then they followed that up by letting Anthony Rendon go. and not So they the could sign Trey, remember? Yeah. So they could sign Trey. Right. And then, but like they didn't really do anything to replace them. So, you know, I understand they won the World Series recently, but to outside free agent talent they're like why would i want to commit to a team long term that just has a history for letting you know its top guys go and not really doing everything in their power to stay competitive they're staying competitive but they're not doing everything in their power too if uh, if i'm going to sign with a team and i really want to win why would i sign for like you know an aggressively average team and as far as competition goes i want i want to go average. i would want to go to the dodgers or the yankees or red sox not because you know like the Nets are up there in terms of like competing, you know, competitive offers. Like they offered Kenley Jansen more money. They offered Aroldis Chapman more money. And those guys took less money to go to more competitive teams. So they're, it's not the money. It, it's, you know, the mindset, the attitude, the culture. They're it's letting deferrals. top. Yeah. And deferrals too. That's a good point. But, you know, they're letting top guys go and that's hurting, you know, their view uh, or the, the, you know, how other potential free agents view them and you know they're not really doing anything to address it yeah and if you want to know why the Nats lineup is in the shape that it is right now and why this lineup has so many issues it's because they let Daniel Murphy Bryce Harper Anthony Rendon go back to back to back and didn't really do anything to supplement them so now you put yourself in the situation where you have one guy in your lineup and Mm -hmm. you're kind of in a spot where you're gonna have to overspend like if you truly want yeah. to address this lineup you're gonna have to overspend this offseason yep which is okay with me because it's not my money so yeah, yeah. Exactly. Overspend. yeah that's, that's fine but you know the the problem is they have to overspend and then they complain when they're running against the, the salary cap but they're the reason they have to overspend in the first place well they're just like us we're always our own worst enemy. No, they're not. They're billionaires. billionaires. They're like <laughs> well, I'm not talking about financially, obviously. I'm saying, like everybody, they screw we themselves more over. Than they do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually doubt that. I'm sure I don't. Pay oh, I, I can 100% guarantee you, we do. We all pay more taxes than Amazon and Netflix. And like as far stuff. as you know, what percentage of our income we absolutely do. Yeah, I'm talking. I was talking about the learners, not Amazon and Netflix. But point taken. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Actually, hold on. Google, Google, stall, stall. What? Um, you know, wonderful weather we're having. Uh, actually, it was, was kind of crappy today, but it was nice yeah. on Saturday when I got married. That was nice. Was um, that the day? Yeah, uh, and you know, it was also 
our actual anniversary, which is why we kind of did it like spur of the moment elopes up because it was our actual Aww. anniversary. So now our wedding anniversary is on our actual anniversary. That's cute. Yep. Ryan, that's that as long cute. as that's all, that's all I got. I couldn't stall much yeah. longer. <laughs> I think he probably got attacked by his cat or something. No, <laughs> no he was trying to find the Ooh, uh, how much I Netflix found- gets taxed. No, no. Netflix pays like a dollar. I was trying to figure out how much Mark Lerner pays in taxes, but I found an article that says owner Mark Lerner is lying about the Nationals' financial flexibility, and that was entering 2020. Shocker. Yeah, he's in cahoots with Rob Manfred. Interesting. Sure. But yeah, no. You know, um, on an unrelated topic, the word cahoots is terribly underused. Agreed. It's a, word. it's a fun word. It is a fun word. I like it. And on yeah. that fascinating note, do we have anything else we need to talk about before we go? No, I'm, Max the rich. Know, I'm a sucker and I'm trying to, you know, get onto GameStop to buy another overpriced PS5. Nice. I keep, I keep telling myself I'm going to stop. And every time I get the notification that there's a live queue, I, I go for it. So, you know, if you find, if you find a live sucker? queue, tell me because I'm not trying very hard, but if I could find one, I might buy it for my kids for Christmas. So uh, can I be your kid? <laughs> I'm young you enough. I do not want to be my kid. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be homeschooled. Well, you're a little old for that, don't you think? <laughs> nah, Nicholas held I'm, back. I'm getting you're my a little grad, bit old and married for all right of that, sir. But yeah, if you find a, if you find somebody who's got them, shoot me a text. Yeah, I got them. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll talk. I'm actually yeah. playing mine right now. <laughs> well, I know you've got one. <laughs> We'll we'll talk. We'll talk. My people, you call right. your people. Yes, exactly. We'll set we'll set something up. All right, guys. Um, anything else? We're done. Nope, we're done. Thanks again to Britt Drolly. Uh, happy birthday to OPT, and uh, go check out Monty's article. I'm posting it tomorrow. All right, or and, today uh, if you're listening to this. Yeah, exactly. Today, if you're listening to this, and uh, then I'm also gonna send you nick that uh picture list article i mentioned earlier so we can tweet it out because it was awesome and i i'll make sure to read it right you guys away. have to yeah you guys have to check it out and we should make sure we tweet it out for our listeners that was sarcasm i know you only do sarcasm yep that's true <laughs> all right have a good night guys later there's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later. Let's go, Nats. We've got a game to play. We're gonna win today. Let's go. By the early light of dawn, well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are and bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Let's go Nats We've got a game to play, we're gonna win today Let's go Score, we're gonna win for 
Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.